What's up, pig floopers, and welcome to another episode of Flooping the Pig. I'm Brad Garoon, and with me, as always, are Justin Houston and Kevin Ford. And today, we are making the transition from the excellent season three of Adventure Time into the transcendent season four of Adventure Time. And to start us off with the very end of season three, or the penultimate episode of season three, is Justin Houston with his little ditty recap of Dad's Dungeon. Okay, so Dad's Dungeon is a, is a big one. It's a game changer. They are Jake and uh, Finn and Bimo are all sitting on the roof, and they're playing some sort of game where they just try to Jake make Jake turn into stuff uh, when they notice um, some sparklies on the roof, which I think Finn tries to kill them, uh, but they end up landing in the attic where they find uh, an old hollow message player from their dad, uh, Joshua. This, of course, being, um, you know, Jake's biological father, and from what we know from the past, we assume that uh, Joshua is Finn's uh, adopted one. So um, he tells them that the, he arranged this dungeon for the both of them, and it's going to, uh, uh, and as a sort of uh, gift at the end, he has left uh, his sword, this demon sword that's red, that has a longer-than-normal handle, and uh, was... May it's a I think it's called the blood sword and it's made with this demon named Kioth. So um, then he tells Finn to like close his ears. This part's just for Jake, and he secretly tells Jake that the reason that he's developed this dungeon really is for Finn because he's a squishy baby and he's he's not tough at all and he's got to toughen him up. Um, which immediately Jake knows not to be true. You know he knows him now that he's grown into a mature guy and he would Finn even says later his body is basically a callus so he is incredibly tough but either way he's got a kind of um belittle Finn along the way as does in the video uh Joshua do the same thing so they fight all manner of evil including like hot dog and hamburger monsters that Finn smartly deduces um are tricks that are way too close to what food they were literally asking for in the morning um, they smartly choose the, well, I don't know if smartly, but they choose a flower path over a path that had this, like, hideous creature that, like, secreted this green liquid and had, a like, hairy balls on it. That was weird. 
so anyway, from all the abuse from Jake and from uh, Joshua through the hollow message, he gets really depressed and uh, he almost sort of allows himself to get tricked by these fruit witches. Um, but he ends up like getting away from them. And now he's just, he's in the dumps and he doesn't really care about anything. And Jake just says, just listen to the last message. But as the last message plays, uh, it shows Joshua getting like torn away into this sort of dark cavern uh, where the last uh, part of the, the the dungeon was, where this where the sword is and where this evil monster is. And so um, they end up, uh, J- you know, Finn's getting beat up and Jake finds another hollow player on with a bunch more messages on the ground. He keeps finding messages. And so he finally finds one that, that you know, he finds the last one, which is Joshua saying that he loves Finn and that he, uh, he means the world to him and that, uh, you know, he's proud of him. And so Jake starts sort of mixing up the tapes and beatboxing with them. Yo, Finn, I'm proud of you. I love you, you son. Yo, Finn, I made this message for you. For you, for you. The dungeon's for you. This world, for you. This message, it's for you. Finn, you're gonna do great, great, great. You're gonna do great things, things. You're gonna do great, great, great. As Finn regains his his confidence and dispatches the evil monster and uh, claims the demon sword, and at the end, um, they uh, as they're walking back with this cool sword, uh, Keoth appears. They don't, I guess, they don't know the incantation yet, so they just replay Joshua saying Keoth Rama Pancake, which is the thing that they say to make it go away, and it goes away, and they start kind of admiring how cool their dad was. Um, this is a really awesome episode, and obviously it's important because uh, Finn now has a, a new sword, the blood sword, the blood demon sword. So, um, Kevin, what did you think of it? I really, really enjoyed this episode. It was a really strong narrative. It was really touching. It had some genuinely fun moments. Uh, the sword thing was a big game changer for the show, as was us knowing that the dungeon was there. I really love Joshua and just the way he talks is very amusing and uh i also really really love jake beatboxing the tapes at the end that was that was really strong so this is definitely a a a great great episode it's almost feels like the end of season three because the end of the real end of season three as brad's going to discuss is part one of a two-part story but as a singular story to get to the to the end of season three i thought it was very very strong and i really like this a lot yeah this one this one's wonderful i was telling kevin earlier today that this episode is, oh, I guess, uh, hmm, how do I phrase this? I was telling Kevin earlier today that from this episode, um, down the line, as, as happens with many episodes in Adventure Time, we get a sequel. And what makes me love this show so much is that that sequel is not only a sequel to this episode, but it's also a sequel to the episode that immediately precedes it. The show just is very layered, so things can build on things that you wouldn't expect. But uh, little things in this episode that don't seem like a big deal come back later. And then the episode itself is very powerful. We learn a lot more about the family dynamic. Uh, we know Now we know for sure that Joshua adopted Finn, that Joshua wasn't sure about like what a human baby would be like when he was older. We know that Finn really loved his dad, and we see that he needed his approval to feel, to feel motivated and to feel self-worth, which comes up a lot later in the series. There are just a lot of, oh, I spilled candy on my bed. There are just a lot of a lot of seeds planted here that become important later. And then as Justin said, 
Uh, it's always fun when Finn gets a new sword because that's a that's a big deal in the video game esque landscape of ooh. So I like that a lot too. Uh, and then there were a bunch of little things, just the way that Finn showed his um, lack of motivation and his depression. That was really interesting. The and and funny the way that he like uh, raspberried himself into deflation like a balloon when Jake said he needed to go farther. I thought was great. And at first I thought that maybe uh, Joshua getting sucked into that last room was how Joshua maybe passed away. But but um, I actually don't think that that's accurate now that I now with some information that we get later in the series. Yeah, I tell you right now, just um, as a parent, at some point or another, the phrase butts are for pooping. Do it for poppy is going to come up. I mean, that's for sure. I'm going to be using that. And it's my favorite quarter of the episode yeah, I, but you love joshua don't you i do because it always reminds me you talked about you just kissed a boom boom baby you need mm. to get your dirty mouth away from me well this episode's gonna what was dad's dungeon is gonna come up a lot more as we get um later into season four and season five mostly in season five and even in season six so by the way i think baby finn is really cute when they show flashbacks of him have we seen any of the remixes of the buff baby song yet no just the original no. well get excited for those Hooray! Because everyone knows that the Buff Baby song is plain wonderful. Yes. I'll punch well, you speak, your buns. Speaking of wonderful, we're going to skip ahead a little bit to something wonderful and new that Adventure Time tried for the first time. And we'll try again after that, but it's a, it's essentially a clip show uh, called Five Short Grables. And I'm going to let Kevin take that one. Yeah, so Five Short Grables gets its name... So there's a, there's a man named Cuber who opens up the episode and he greets the audience saying that... This is going to be a theme in the series of five shorts from the days of old, and they're all connected in some way. He takes out a little hollow pyramid that shows pictures of all the people who are in the stories. Uh, one side is Finn and Jake, uh, and, and then one side's Bimo. One's Princess Bubblegum, one's the Ice King, and one is the Lumpy Space Princess. So I already was excited because I knew LSP was coming. So we start off with Finn and Jake as they say they're going to head to the Grocery Kingdom, and they leave Bimo behind. Bimo then, when he realizes he's alone, goes into the bathroom and starts talking to himself in the mirror and does a lot of things that a human boy would do, such as brush their teeth, use some soap, and even sits down the toilet and pours a glass of water into it so he can pretend to pee. And it turns out Finn and Jake were lying about going to the Grocery Kingdom as they're spying on Bimo through the window uh, because they have this checklist of things they need to do, and one of them was prove Bimo does weird stuff when people aren't around. So they're able to check that off, and to celebrate this accomplishment, they high-five each other. And I think the first one's kind of weak, so they high-five each other again, which leads into this escalating series of more and more intense high-fives, leading to them catapulting into each other for a high-five. And while we see them launch into air, we don't see them connect yet. Uh, once they're launched into the air, we cut to Princess Bubblegum in her kingdom, and she's doing these odd food experiments in her lab, all to make the perfect sandwich, which if you're wondering what that includes, is two slices of white bread, tomato, lettuce, and cheese. And she wants Cinnamon Bun to try it, but all he does is, like, put it inside of his stomach and then burp it all out onto PB. And then we see Finn fly past the window from the catapult high-five thing. Then we cut to the Ice Kingdom where Gunter is playing the keyboard and Ice King is wondering where this terrible smell is coming from. He thinks it's Gunter's smelly booty, so he sends him away on an iceberg. And then it turns out the smell is the Ice King himself, so he gets all his penguins to furiously wash him. He comes out of the shower to find Gunter has returned. He has no idea how he got so stinky, but in kind of a funny moment, he then puts Gunter under his armpit, and Gunter uh, released some gas from his booty while he's holding him under his armpit. And then we see Jake flying by his window from the, the catapult launch. We then cut to a talent show where LSP thinks her singing is going to win, 
before her was an active, uh, I don't know what the character was, but he was shooting like basketball hoops, kind of like him impressively. And before LSP can go on to sing her song about, which I think is called These Lumps. These lumps, I know you want to slump up on these lumps, but you can't because you're a chump, a chump. These group of five girls go out there and sing the same song and they get a good reaction. And LSP is not happy about this. But she goes on and sings these lumps herself, and she gets booed and called a ripoff. She gets really mad about this, so she throws a basketball at someone in the crowd, and it bounces back and makes a basket. And the crowd is really impressed by it and cheers for her, so she does it a few more times, and Peppermint Butler announces her as the winner of the talent show. Just then, Finn and Jake overhead collide with their epic uh, catapult high five, and they're the ones who are awarded the, the winners of the talent show, and that uh, makes LSP very upset. So then we cut back to the host, and he tells us that the connecting five themes are the five cents. Bimo saw his reflection. Finn and Jake touched each other. PB made a tasty sandwich. The Ice King smelled something bad. And LSP, or as he referred to her, the other thing, heard music. And uh, this is an interesting uh, twist to typical Adventure Time episodes. I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was a funny episode. I know we get... Uh, at least one or two more down the line, so I'm excited to see where they go from there. Yeah, this one, uh, I mean, I like it when a show like this uh, tells sort of more condensed um, stories, uh, simply because, uh, you know, some stories just aren't meant to be, like, uh, even 11 minutes long. So you get little snippets, and it's it, there's a lot of world building that goes into it. Uh, yeah, these, these are wonderful. They could just make a show like this. Uh, you wouldn't even need depth, and I would still enjoy it. That's how wonderful the animation in this world is and how well they've defined their characters. But as it is, it's probably just used – it's used well here as a uh, as a good break from uh, what is uh, more more heavy material preceding it. I, I don't have a lot to say about this episode except I love – I wanted to call him Prismo, but that's not right. Cuber. And the best part of this episode is actually something that I think about all the time when I think about what makes the animation in the show so great. It's, I think, the second or third, maybe the third or fourth high five that Finn and Jake give each other when they're running and they jump and give each other a high five and then they fall backwards. And then Finn gets on his knees and quickly, like, scoots, scoots, scoots over to Jake for talking excitedly. Like, you see him scoosh over on his knees first and then talk. Something about that just felt it completely captured how excitement in this world works and, and Finn's personality. And, and I cannot get it out of my head. And I love it. Do you think we'll ever actually see Cuber like within uh you know the land of Ooh itself interacting with characters or is he do you think we can only consider him sort of a like kind of like Uatu the Watcher as it were I'm of two minds about it on the one hand it would make perfect sense if we never see him interact with the people of Ooh because at least according to what he says he's in the future and even his dialect seems to suggest that he's far in the future because our dialect is obviously different than people who spoke English a thousand years ago, I know so little about languages. I don't know if English was spoken a thousand years ago. I assume it was. Maybe it wasn't. I actually don't know. But something happens near the end of season five that makes me think that maybe we will see more in the distant future of Ooh. Yeah, something I mean, lemon related. I see. Okay. In the title cards, I mean, it's not, that doesn't mean much, but in the title card, the original title card for Five Short Grables, we actually, it depicts. Um, Cuber in his sort of floating um, prism, like just crystal ship of sorts, and we see uh, 
Finn sort of floating off in the distance, and Jake floating towards him. And uh, I, I can't, I don't know if in future ones if this, if it's depicted this way, but I don't know if that's some indication that he is, that he is sort of in their universe. It even shows what their, what space looks like to them, their cosmos, which is filled with junk food. Um, so I hope, I honestly hope that's an indication that they'll. Um, meet at some point but uh i guess that's probably not confirmation or anything i don't know i just looked at the there are two more after this right uh yes and uh finn and jake are in they are in the title card for the next one but on a hologram and they're not in the title card for the third one so although in the second one it does show uh cuba in space still and uh we will learn soon in the middle of season four that indeed Space is filled with junk food <laughs> in the time of the Land of Ooh. Well, we've already learned that, I believe. Have we? Um, yeah, that was the speech. It, you know, it kind of it gets lost because it's uh, it's the speech of a madman. But um, the tart toter, the gingerbread man, when he's going on his speech at the end of that episode, he talks about uh, the cosmos being filled with all that stuff. That's true. But in Sons of Mars, I think we actually will see that. Not you actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not just a theory of a crazy person. <laughs> right, and that's coming up very soon. We'll be talking about that in just a couple of weeks. I don't know, maybe. Uh, I, I don't think it may, I think it's. I think it would be a little bit nicer if we didn't see Finn and Jake um, interact with Cuber. Although, on the other hand, maybe as like a passing thing, if Finn and Jake ever time travel, it could be interesting. If you read the comic books, which we'll get to maybe in uh, probably in 2015, Finn and Jake do end up time traveling and and there actually is a little bit of time travel in the show but it's it's really specific so maybe maybe we'll see Cuba interact with them but I don't think in any kind of real significant way although you know what I think I need to learn that this show nothing is off limits so maybe maybe we will do you ever do that like do you ever watch a show where you realize like Rick and Morty where there's no boundaries as to what they can and can't do and you'll see someone like something sort of unexplained happens and you'll go, oh, that's a thing. Like if they did an episode five years from now and they wanted to do a time travel episode, they could stick them right here and be like the thing that like woke him up here or something like that. Do you ever do that? Maybe that's why my writing is not as creative as I'd like it to be because no, I don't like my mind doesn't really go there that much a little bit, but it generally never goes to the place where the, the work of art actually ends up going. It sounds like yours does work that way, and maybe Rub Draw is not creative enough for your creative outlet. I, I mean, that's the thing, is that I, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to sort of... And you even it's even reflected in the show that a lot of times you can tell that a show... They, they know where they're going, and they, and they structure a show to, like towards that ending. And, uh, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a great example of this. And it suffered hugely in the beginning... Because it couldn't do a few things, and it knew where kind of it needed to be, and to get there was painstaking. But I mean, it was gold at the end. So that's the way I've always worked with a story: is that I always like to know where I'm, like where I want to end up before I kind of fill in the road there. Even though most like good writers will tell you that's crazy and don't ever do that. Right. Well, there's a good reason because as nice as it is that Agents of Shield had that nice tie-in at the end, a crappy string of six episodes is still a crappy string of six episodes. Right. And, I mean, it, and, you always have to give value into in sort of the the road. That's that's what makes Adventure Time special is that in the in the pit stops in the story and in, in the in the big arcs that they do, the pit stops are always worth your time. 
Yeah, just like five short grables. I mean, yeah. this is there's literally nothing in this episode likely that's going to mean anything to anything. And in any of the grables episodes, there really um, aren't. And it doesn't matter because sometimes you just want a little slice out of these guys' lives, and it makes you love them more. Right. So yeah, either way, you, I mean, you got to spend time on them and, and give them love, just like a story arc does. And um, these do. That's I mean, that's why they're special. Speaking of love and specialness, Finn has some serious love troubles in Incendium. In Incendium, which is how I'm choosing to pronounce this title because that's what a dictionary told me, whether it's correct or not. Finn is totally lovesick over Princess Bubblegum. He is huddled up in the middle of the treehouse uh, with his piece of Princess Bubblegum hair, and he can't snap out of it. Jake tries to get him to snap out of it by getting BMO to play Excite Bike with him, but Finn just uses the beat of the music of Excite Bike to make a sad song about Princess Bubblegum and being all gummed up inside. The song, by the way, is absolutely wonderful. So Jake decides that he's not going to take this sitting down and he's going to go find Finn a new love interest. And he puts on his boots and his backpack and his boots are so good. And he heads out into the world to find Finn a new love interest. And that adventure takes him to a couple of places, but in the end, he hears what he thinks is a woman screaming in the woods, but it turns out those were the screams of Flambeau. And so Jake uses his magic boots and special kicks to save Flambeau, and then gets entrance into the Fire Kingdom, where Flambeau says a beautiful fire princess lives. So Jake goes to the Fire Kingdom, and he meets the evil Fire King, and tries to win the Fire King's favor so that he can, what's the word, he can set up Finn with the Fire Princess. Flame Princess, excuse me, the Flame King. Oh, that was a rough mistake. The best part of Jake's gifts are his song to the Flame Princess that is pretty much to the same tune as Finn's song about bubblegum, but it's a little more fire-oriented and equally awesome, a little more upbeat also. That cover you heard at the beginning of this episode is a great one. I don't remember the name off the top of my head of the guy who, who composed it, but I'll write it in the description, so please visit him and give him support. And he fails in getting the Flame King to give his permission that for the Flame Princess to end up with Finn. Uh, so Jake, in I don't know what it, whether this was conscious a conscious effort on his part or just something weird he did, but he cre- shape-shifted his stomach into Finn and then had Finn uh, strangle himself, strangled Jake to death. The fake Finn strangles Jake to death. Flame King, who is evil, likes that Finn is so ruthless and thinks that he can handle a psychopath or thinks that he can handle an evil flame princess because he's such a psychopath. The flame princess is released, and then uh, Jake panics and re- rebukes on his offer, re- takes his offer back, and then the released flame princess goes crazy and follows Jake to the treehouse where she starts burning it down, and then she meets Finn and smacks him, and Finn realizes that he has a huge crush on her. And that's where the first episode ends, and the second, and that's the end of season three. And then season four, we had to wait, what was it, probably like six weeks until season four began. And it began with the episode Hot to the Touch, where Finn asks Jake to help him find the flame princess because he has a crush on her. And it's the first time in a while that he's been able to get out of bed and feel motivated to do this, that, and the other. Uh, So he goes to find the flame princess and he finds her down by a pond and she's sort of experimenting with her body because she's been trapped for so long and seeing like what her flames do. And uh, she finds that when it goes in water, it hurts her. 
Finn approaches her but starts burning, and then he starts stomping on the flames, and then we find that stomping on flames, princess, flame princesses' flames hurt her. Then she heads to the... I may be missing something here or there, but the, the bottom line is she gets pretty pissed, and she decides to create a new flame kingdom for herself on the grasslands, including the goblin kingdom. So she starts setting the goblin kingdom on fire. So Finn and Jake decide they have to save the goblin kingdom from her fiery wrath. Uh, but Finn is torn because he doesn't want to hurt her. Jake knows it has to be done. So Finn uh, and Jake make uh, flame-fighting giant robots with the help of Nectar, who's been hidden in the treehouse, thinking that he was playing hide-and-seek for 15 months. Uh, but really, Finn and Jake just forgot about him. Working for the master, preventing a disaster. Building giant robots from aluminum and plaster. Faster, I cast to build a blaster. Yeah, but foam and water? Yeah, for when it's hotter, I've got it, no bother. Because I live to please you, father. They go in their giant robots to fight the giant flame princess who can make herself a giant in the Goblin Kingdom. Finn starts to feel bad about fighting the flame princess, so he rips himself out of his suit and starts crying about his feelings for her. She thinks he's a water elemental and she's a fire elemental so that even if they like each other, they can't be together. Finn decides that he wants to be with her even if they're opposing spirits um, and understanding the fact that just because he's a crybaby doesn't make him a water elemental. And they hug. He gets burned. He pulls away. She gets depressed or a little bummed out by that and leaves. But Finn is more optimistic because she hugged him. Kevin, what do you think of the episode? I like that... Uh... That Finn has not totally moved on from PB, but at least has another woman in his life that he can go pine over. Uh, shades of Brad Garoon with his feelings being dictated by how women him. Uh, not true. Not totally true. <laughs> pretty true. Not uh, <laughs> uh, the most random line in this episode that I really liked was when Finn and Jake were off in the woods and they princess and... Finn says something like, and uh, there's smoke rising just like from a dog's nose when he drops a piece of ham in the snow... And Jake says, oh, a guy drops a piece of ham once and then he can't not hear about it for the rest of his life. And that was randomly great Jake goodness. So, yeah, I like the return of Neptor, too. Or, yeah, I guess that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, again, I like when random characters from the past come back and have some utility to them. I thought that was a fun usage of him in, he, in this and uh, help move the story forward and all that. So I'm pro everything about this episode. And uh, it wasn't the best two-part or anything. It wasn't amazing, but uh, it was fun. It was a good watch. Yeah, not great from a, just a pure like entertainment and hilarity place. It was still really good, just not by ad previous Adventure Time standards. But it was really important, and it gets into a, a topic that I think is both probably more relatable than some of the struggles that go on in the show um, to the, their target demographic um, than some other things. Um, just, you know, what it takes to... Um, get over someone or just to, to get, get your own confidence, what it takes in a relationship to, uh, you know, sort of figuring out what you need and what they need and, and making it work. And um, just, um, just a much more serious uh, subject than we're, and, and handled very seriously. Um, as I uh, mentioned with uh, Jeremy Shada's voice um, being uh, really conveying some complex emotions, and the frustration that goes through with Finn. So uh, I like this episode a whole lot more so because it just, I think it really, really in a great way tackles uh, what can be kind of a tricky subject to express to, uh, to teens and young kids. I agree with everything Justin said. It was really, really good, but you know, what was a little bit less good this time around. We realized the hashtag snail search, Kevin, tell them why. 
Yeah, so the hashtag snail search there, this is eye-opening. I don't know why I realize it now because I think it's been happening for a bit, but we'll get into that after I run through the snails in the episodes. In Dad's Dungeon, the snail is on the boat at the very beginning with Jake, Finn, and Bimo when Jake is entertaining them by shape-shifting. In Incendium, Incendium, however it's pronounced, uh, the snail sitting on a picture frame when Bimo turns on a game when Finn is depressed about PB, and that's when Finn starts singing to the beat of the game. In Hot to the Touch, the snail is behind a box when Neptor is singing his song to them. And in Five Short Grables, the snail's on the side of the Ice King's bathtub when all the penguins are cleansing him of his filth. And that is the hashtag snail search for this week. But I'll tell you why it was really sad. And uh, I was explaining this to Brad earlier today while we were chatting at work. And uh, back in the episode, the, the finale of season two, when the lich comes, he infects the snail in the end and he has these angry eyes and he's waving and he looks all evil and stuff. Um, and they keep that going when they show the snail for the first good bit of season three. But somewhere along the lines, so he just kind of drop it off. And he's back to having his beady little black eyes and smiling and is just waving at everybody. And, uh, you know, I thought that might have just been the end of what's going on with this. But from my understanding, what Brad tells me, it's not. And even in a couple episodes here on Flipping the Pig, we're going to talk about the snail being infected by the lich. So uh, that's pretty annoying. Yeah, I was really, really pissed off about it. But then, Justin, you were uh, you were going to say something that was going to make me feel better. Yeah, I just tried to explain it the best I could, which is, um, you know, if you're a you know benevolent or you, if you're a crazed person that's uh, trying to do nefarious things in ooh, and it's people can tell it's you by your eye color, and you're trying to disguise yourself, maybe it's not a good idea. Maybe you gotta, you know. You got to kind of play the game and uh, be a little more, uh, you know, less conspicuous, as it were. So um, I I like to think that he ran into a, a, an animal in the wilderness and who he kind of ran into and had a dialogue about this and came to the conclusion that, yes, that would that would be the way to do this, that no one would suspect it was him. Uh, that made me feel much better. I believe that I believe I believe in this in this scenario and i feel that the people of adventure time do indeed have our best interest at heart so, you're welcome good. creators of adventure time i fill in the holes are you neptor now you're a welcome creator i do what i can justin's gonna fill in those holes let's yeah. wow wow just wow so let's talk real quick about um voice acting uh keith david did the voice of flame king in Incendium, uh, Annie Milanakis returned as the voice of Neptor in um, Hot to the Touch, and Emo Phillips fulfilled the role of his lifetime, the role he was born to play when he played Cuber in Five Short Grables. Twitter time! That's me! I go first! Justin J. Houston's my Twitter. It's where I post funny things. I uh, also have a column that I write on this website. It's called it's PW Pondering. It's called Rub Raw. It's really funny. You sh- you're probably reading it every week, I bet. You're um, probably reading it? <laughs> yeah. You probably just have it, like, most people, some people, like, carry around little Bibles. You just carry around my column that you print out every week in your pocket. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to make a compilation of these. I do other things, but they're all with Kevin, so he can say what they are. Sure. Well, first I'll tell you to follow me on Twitter at K413. We could talk about wrestling and comics and Adventure Time and other things there if you really want to. That's pretty cool. Uh, but again, if you want to get this podcast as early as you possibly can, it is in your best interest to be following us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Search for PWP Podcast, and you can get this podcast a full day earlier. That's pretty sweet, right? Otherwise, you can find it on pwponderings.com on Mondays for a direct download. And be sure to be following at PWPonderings on Twitter so you can get the episode as early as you can. 
Also, if you subscribe to PWP Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, you will find the Fan to Fan Podcast, which I host on a weekly basis where I talk to a wrestling fan about the wrestling fandom. Brad's been a guest. Justin will be on shortly. And weeks where I'm not doing Fan to Fan, it's because Justin and I are laying down an episode of Viva Jakara where we talk about Jakara Pro, that wrestling promotion. Then we'll see how much longer that lasts. Uh, you can follow me at Garoongate, and if you do so, we can also. I like the way you put that, Kevin. We can talk about comic books or or food or or Adventure Time. That would all be great. I guess we can talk about wrestling, but I probably won't have anything nice to say. Or you can follow me at Burger Weekly, and if you do, please tag your burger photos on both Twitter and Instagram with the hashtag Burgerfy, like photography for burgers. Burgerfy, B-U-R-G-R-A-P-H-Y. Hashtag, because that's a new thing I'm starting and I want to see if it can take off. And so far, so good. And your burgers look delicious and I want to see them and I want to repost them and I want to give you credit. And if you're not going to do that, I will thank you for flooping the pig either way. I floop the pig. Mm-hmm.